In the ancient world, there were children on the hills. Children who could not be cared for by their families, whether because of financial burden, sickness, or disability, or simply because she was a girl at a time when girls were not valued. Families had the option of taking their child to the hills. And when they got to the hillside, they would lay their child on the ground and walk away, knowing and intending that within minutes, hours, or days, this child would be a victim of the elements. There were children on the hills. This was not a rarity. This was not a scandal. In the ancient world, this was common, accepted, and expected. And then came Jesus. The church began sending search parties to head for the hills. These search parties would sweep through the hillside, looking for children who had been left behind. When they found one, they would bring them home and adopt them into their new family. kids in the foster care system. One in four cannot go home. That means there are 100,000 kids on the hillside. 100,000 kids are waiting for someone to come for them. 100,000 kids are waiting for a search party. We are that search party. It's time again. A movement is rising. There are children on the hills. Head for the hills. Good morning, everyone. My name is Pete Stanley, and together my wife Casey and I are the founders of the Real Hope Project. And so as we kind of talk about this idea of moving from culture to kingdom, I believe that one of the purest expressions of what the kingdom looks like is adoption. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. So behind me, you'll see my family. That's me, my wife Casey, my son Martez, who is 16. He's been with us for a little bit over three years. That little beautiful two-year-old is my daughter, Taika, and that little baby is Vinnie June Stanley. And so Real Hope was started out of this experience that Casey and I had, where when we would tell people we wanted to adopt, we would get these really excited reactions. Go for it. You should do that. That's awesome. And we love those reactions. But we sometimes found that if we added three magic words to the end of that sentence, we would get a much different reaction. And those three magic words were from foster care. 
When we would tell people we wanted to adopt kids from foster care, sometimes, not all the time, the reaction was more like, oh, are you sure about that? Have you heard the stories? You know what those kids are like? And we understand that those reactions come from a place of love. And the truth is, is we have sat and cried with families who have gone through unthinkable pain through their foster care and adoption journeys. Those stories are out there, and they are scary. I've been a dad for a little bit over three years now, and I wouldn't say for a second that I wasn't afraid. And I may always will be. I think there's some good, healthy, holy fear that comes with raising kids. But we weren't nearly as afraid for us and how adoption can disrupt our lives as we are for these kids and what can happen when they're not adopted out of foster care. You can go to the next one. It's estimated that 80% of people in our prison systems right now have one thing in common. They were once in foster care or connected to the child welfare system. 80% of women in the United States who are trafficked have one thing in common. They were once in foster care. 20% of the kids who age out without a family will become immediately homeless, and 25% will struggle with PTSD. Two-thirds of the girls who age out without a family will be pregnant by the time they're 21, and two-thirds of those babies wind up back in foster care. So you guys, we as the church, we as the people of God have an amazing opportunity to begin to solve not every issue, but almost every issue our nation is facing if we can give kids Jesus and family. If kids have Jesus and family, we begin to make a huge impact on incarceration rates, teen pregnancy, homelessness, mental health, trafficking, all of it. But it begins with Jesus and family. Now hear me very clearly, church. I know what I'm talking about. I am not saying that if you and your family love Jesus and you bring a kid into your home who has been through significant trauma, that as soon as they walk through your doorway, they're going to be instantly healed of all that hurt and all of those wounds. Probably not. Without a miracle, probably not. These kids are going to be difficult at times, and they'll be challenging at times, but you know what? So were we, and God adopted us anyway. Don't think for a second that our adoption as sons and daughters of God came without challenges. Our adoption came through blood and through sacrifice. And our God says that we were worth it. In, in fact, in Ephesians, it says we were more than worth it. You can click to the next one. In Ephesians, it says God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So not only were we just worth it, he knew in advance the cost. He knew the sacrifice that it would take to bring us into his family, and it says that it gave him great pleasure to do it. You can click to the next one. So you heard that in the United States, there are about 100,000 kids who are waiting to be adopted. They can't go home. In Minnesota, there are about 1,000 of them waiting right now on our turf, and I'd like to introduce you to one of them right now. This is Marcus. One of the reasons why I like sports is it gets me out of trouble. It helps me focus on the good things instead of the bad things that I could be getting into. I love basketball because it's a fun game and I've been playing it since I was really little. I'm really good at threes, shooting three-pointers. What makes a good team leader is someone that supports their teammates in every other way. If I could pick up three people from the NBA, it would probably be Giannis, Allen Iverson, and LeBron James. 
Yeah, just get the balls of me, and then I'll be good. <laughs> I'm probably most proud of the fact that I can make friends really easy. I'm not intimidated to put myself out there at all. My friends would describe me as a really funny person. Probably annoying at times. Outgoing. Like, I would be outgoing for my friend if he needed me. I love to joke around, and I'm really funny. And I ain't really had a lot of people like there for me when I was growing up, so like if I have a friend, they have to be loyal. Have a group of friends and ride bikes is fun. Go to a gas station, go to a skate park or something. We usually just joke around and stuff. The best compliment I've received is probably from my friend. Thank you for always being there for me. I was always there for him. What family means to me is people that are there for me 24-7. Never give up on me. I always say they love me, be there for me. I just want them to know that I want a family. My name is Marcus, I am 14 years old, and this is my reel. There we go, that's good. Awesome. And Marcus has been waiting for a family for a long time. And he lives in a state where there are 4,000 churches. So there are 1,000 kids waiting to be adopted and 4,000 churches. So that makes our math this morning super simple. That means we don't need every family to adopt a kid from foster care. We don't even need every church to adopt a kid from foster care. We need one family in every four churches to adopt one kid and every kid in Minnesota has a forever family. That is a doable goal. For the people of God, that is beyond easy. So at the Real Hope Project, it's our goal to make a video like Marcus's for every kid in Minnesota that's waiting for a family. And then we bring those videos around to churches and communities just like this one to try to find people who will start thinking and praying about adopting from foster care. Because maybe Marcus's family is in this room this morning. You can click to the next one. And it's working, you guys. God is on the move in the adoption world in Minnesota. And he has been doing some exciting things and letting us partner with him in that. In the last almost six years that Real Hope has been around, we've been able to make 247 reels for 200, excuse me, yeah, 247 reels for 293 kids. And we've been able to introduce over 850 families to begin the process to adopt or foster or respite care or whatever that looks like for them. If you're over 13 in the foster care system in Minnesota, the likelihood that you'll be adopted is about 25%. And of the 293 kids that we have made reels for, 144 of them have been matched with families. So we can see that having a reel effectively doubles the likelihood of, some, of a kid being matched with a family. And that is so exciting. We believe that God is writing a new story in the foster care and adoption world in Minnesota. And again, it is so exciting to be partnering with him in this. So I'd like to take a quick second to dispel a couple of the myths that surround adopting from foster care. And the first one is, oh, I would love to adopt from foster care, but it's just too expensive, which is not true. If you know the right avenues to take, adopting from foster care in Minnesota can be virtually free and I can help you out and answer some questions if you have any back at the table. 
The next myth is that these kids are in foster care because they're bad or they did something wrong. Absolutely not true. Every kid in foster care is the victim of either neglect or abuse. They're in foster care because someone in their life, someone important in their life, may have done something wrong, not because they did. And the third myth, and the one that we hear by far the most often, is, oh, I would love to adopt from foster care, but I'm just too old. Which, first of all, we're hearing from people who are like 36, so okay, calm down. <laughs> and secondly, a kid like Marcus doesn't need to be raised from infancy. He needs someone to help him finish high school, apply for college, his first job, his first apartment. He needs somewhere to call home on Christmas and Thanksgiving, because family doesn't end when you're 18. Family is forever. And lastly, I think that the I'm too old reason is a little bit ironic, considering that there are multiple stories of people in the Bible telling God that they were too old to have kids, and then God was like, blammo, kids. So I would just rethink that before you tell God that that's your reason. And the final myth is that every kid in foster care needs to be adopted. Also not true. On any given day in Minnesota, there are about 10,000 kids in the foster care system, and 1,000 of them do need to be adopted. They can't go home. That's correct. But the other 9,000 are sort of in limbo. The goal of foster care is reunification with family because families of origin are the healthiest and best places for kids to be. And so in a perfect world, the foster care system exists to give mom and dad time to do whatever they need to get back on their feet whether that's rehab or treatment or something else, give them the time and give the kids a safe place to be while they work on themselves to provide a healthy home for their kids. And so you can hit to the next slide. What we've been doing at the Real Hope Project within the last year or so is starting to tell stories further upstream. Our focus is and always will be adoption. We've Casey and I have adopted, we are passionate about it, but we also want to start swimming upstream along the foster care and adoption system in Minnesota. And that can look like telling stories about foster care or moving even further up the stream into foster care prevention, respite care, and things like that. And actually, I think Michaela might be able to tell you about it a little bit better. So take a look. My name is Michaela. My daughters are Aviana, Ambria, and Heaven. And this is our upstream story. You know, growing up, my parents, they were, they were together. They were, I, would, I would consider them a healthy relationship, um, but it's when they split up and, you know, I kind of took on the roles that my dad was doing when we were younger. And um, I felt like I could save people. Yeah, and it just led me to some very bad relationships that weren't so healthy. 2018 is when I definitely hit my rock bottom. My mom had died two years before that. I was just in a really dark place. I was struggling with addiction. I was in a very abusive relationship. You know, being a single parent on top of that, I felt stress all the time and I isolated myself. I kept so many things to myself that I just... Looking back now, thankfully, the childcare my kids were going to could see it. And, um, you know, my daughter, even at the time, she was only three when this happened, but she, you know, said some alarming things as well where Looking back, she was my voice when I couldn't speak. And I remember getting the phone call, basically saying that my children need to go into care, and that's what brought me to Leah and Kyle. The first time we met Michaela was in a um, parking lot. It was very late at night, it was dark. Oh gosh, the first time meeting Leah and Kyle, <laughs> it, was, um, it was a very emotional time. Um, we just can't imagine what it would be like to be in Michaela's shoes and hand your kids over to somebody. It was, oh, 
just really trying my hardest not to break down in front of them because that was probably the lowest moments of my life was giving my kids to complete strangers. Just kind of gave Michaela a big hug and said, we'll take very good care of your kids. I felt like, okay, my kids are going into a really good place. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Leah would video record all these things for me and send them to me. And I just remember just wanting to talk to them all the time. I missed a lot of milestones. I remember there's nights where I just, all I could do was just cry and scream and, you know, just beg, beg God for help. Like, help me, like, help me get through this because I didn't have my mom. And so I just, a lot of the fighting I did on my own. <laughs> it was a, a bumpy road to get to where we're at. So watching Michaela grow to get to the point that she's at now has been amazing. Walking into the foster care system, I just didn't understand and I wanted to blame everybody else except for my own self. It took really working through all the hard stuff and just forming a relationship with Kyle and Leah. She understood that connection with people was her way out. It was almost as if she could identify like, I'm not in a good spot right now and my way out is not retreating in the darkness but going into the light. There was no way I was gonna just give up on my kids. Knowing all that hard work I did, it, it brought my girls home. You know, they are with mom and the three of them being together with mom is, is where they need to be. They got us through the hardest moments of our life and they were there for my kids when I couldn't be. We all basically turned into one big happy family, you know, so I don't know, there's just some, I just can't thank them enough for just being there when I couldn't. So that's it, right? Isn't that, the, isn't that the dream? That's what foster care should look like. Mom gets a chance to get back on her feet. Her kids get to go somewhere healthy and safe, and then they get to move home with mom, healthy and safe. And then they have people in their lives who continue to take care of them together. I think that's the dream. And so, if you can click to the next slide, there are a couple different ways I would like you guys to think about and pray about joining with us this morning. So I'd like to ask you all to take out your cell phones and open up a text message to the number that you see on the screen. So take out your phone, open up a text message to 833-756-2038. Once you have those up and open, Obviously, the first way I'd like you guys to consider and pray about joining with us is adopting from foster care. Come to the table, watch some reels, go on our website, meet some kids, and see if God stirs anything in your heart toward adopting from foster care. And I realize that we're not all called to adopt, but we are all called to be a part of this world. So if you can't adopt, then consider going upstream with us. Look into foster care, foster care prevention, respite care. And if you have questions about that, I can answer them at the table or you can shoot us an email. And if you can't adopt and you can't join us upstream, then consider giving. We travel around the state to make and to share these videos and everything we do costs money. 
So if you can do 10 bucks a month or 20 bucks a month, whatever you can do will go a long way toward helping us reach our goal of making a reel for every kid in Minnesota that's waiting for a family. And so as you think and pray about how you want to respond and as you decide what to text, I'd like to ask you to just text in one of those three words, adopt, upstream, or give, just one single word, and then there will be some prompts that you can follow afterward. So as you're doing that, I'd like, you, I'd like to show you one final video. We are Brock and Emily, and we adopted Kale in 2022. Brock and I went on our second date and we were just kind of talking about, we had been friends for a while, so we were very comfortable with each other and it just kind of brought up that fostering or adopting was something that we wanted to do. My dad had been previously adopted and then Brock actually worked in group homes with a bunch of foster kids and he definitely had a heart for a lot of those kiddos. I knew one day I wanted to be the one to open my door up to him again. I remember the email we got, and I thought Kale was the name of the social worker, because I had no recollection of a kid Kale that we had, that we submitted our home study for, I had no idea, and we went and watched his video on Real Pope, and the second I saw it, I wanted to know more about the kid. We still walked in with some skepticism. Just even from that first match meeting, when we heard some of his antics and behaviors, it was hard not to laugh. It was a very us kind of humor and you sit there and you're like nope this is a certain kind of humor this is a certain kind of kid and there's just something to him so it was like match made in heaven <laughs> before i was adopted i wanted to see how far they would go before they would just send me away when i first met brock and emily this i thought this wouldn't last long why i felt that way because every single home i went to i just got kicked out Every story we heard about Kale, honestly, I saw myself at 13 again. So I really didn't have a single issue with his behaviors and where the system saw a problem. We just saw a funny 13-year-old normal boy. It was a very parental feeling that just you can't, ex I still get goosebumps. You just can't explain it. Like you just want to go back and get your kid and yeah, bring him home. Something that surprised me when I moved in with Brock and Emily was they could handle me. They treated me good, practically like a king. They made me food, they gave me hugs, asked me what I needed. Man, it was a beautiful transition we saw after his adoption date where all the anxiety and so many behaviors we couldn't put our finger on just vanished in an instant. Mm -hmm. We have had the pleasure of getting to watch him grow and to become the man that the paper said he was maybe not gonna be and he is so much more the progress we've seen with this kid not even in a year is so incredibly encouraging for what he's capable of i mean this is a kid who everyone had ruled out mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh he has a shot now people would describe me as funny and courageous when i found out when i was moving to the Mellanders. I felt happy, excited, relief. One of my favorite memories is when I hunted with Brock my first year. Like I was so excited, I was shaking. It's called buck fever, and then I got it. Yeah, Kale is bright and creative, and if you put him outside, you might not see him for hours. He's just, he can make a mountain out of a molehill. He's, he just needs room to, to grow and be creative. 
it really wasn't that much more complicated to us than we had a home and Kale needed a home. I'm Kale. And, and we, we are, are the Melanders, and this is our upstream story. All right. So if you haven't texted in yet, keep thinking and praying about joining us in one of those ways, adopt, upstream, or give. And together, let's head for the hills. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for the gift of adoption. Thank you for your perfect leadership in how you adopted all of us as sons and daughters. And so God, I just pray for good timing, wisdom in whatever decision we decide to make. And yeah, God, just thank you for the gift of family. Thank you for kids that have forever homes because of the work that you're doing. And I just ask that you would guide us in how to join you with that today. We love you, Jesus.